This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, gone. Go hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. We are here in the A's Cast non-Coliseum studio, we could call it today. And we're also in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at PNC Park. Show show the video. Look at this look. One second. I mean, there you go. I mean, this is amazing. This is what PNC Park looks like. You are looking live. As Brent Musburger used to say. I was hoping you would go there with Musburger again. That's two days in a row we've mentioned Musburger, a legend in our industry. You know, probably one of the great uh, – I've worked with a lot of great people, but I've never worked with someone who's as big of a star as Brent Musburger. And my two, my two years with him, I mean, we flew next to each other on the plane. I had dinner with him every, every road trip. Um, the man's an absolute star. He's a he's a, an American sports broadcaster star, and I could tell you stories about going out with him. It was like I took him to a Twins game. It was like going. It was like being with Elvis. I mean, it was amazing. Couldn't have been a nicer guy, for as big of a star as he was, and is. Brent Musburger is the nicest man. I, he has got that. Um, Upper Midwest mentality where he grew up. Of course, went to school at Northwestern, but he's from Montana. And that the, the, the kid from Montana has never left him. And if he taught me anything, you want to talk about being humble and being grateful. And no matter how big you are, you stay true to who you are. Unlike Cody, Cody gets to go to Pittsburgh, and now he thinks he's, he's Bryant Gumbel and he's, he owns the world. Uh, Brent Musburger taught me that no matter how big you get you you stay true to who you are and i will always have the ultimate respect for that man it's funny when you watch all like the old youtube stuff right and you're watching like old nba stuff or you're watching old baseball stuff or old golf stuff he's on everything you forget he was he was the head of cbs sports and there was no fox we see so much stuff on fox now everything was on cbs but the great Brent Musburger. I just want to tell everybody what a wonderful man he is. Kind. Kind to everybody. Anybody that comes up to him, the nicest, kindest man. Because a lot of people in his shoes are not that way. A lot of stars are horrible. They're not nice people. The stardom and the money has gone to their head. 
Obviously, these are interesting times with what happened yesterday in the Nevada legislature, um, where this thing still can go in Nevada, what what's happening back here, back home. You know, we have said from day one, we're, we're, we're here to cover the baseball team. We're staying away from that. We will follow it. We'll look at it. But we'll, you know, our, our job is to stay in our lane and to cover baseball and to cover this team, no matter how bad it gets, <laughs> 12 and 50. But there's other people doing that work. And it's just, it's better for us for what we do to stay out of that. But I am going to say this today, because if you woke up today and you thought the A's was the biggest news, it's not. And it should teach you a lot about business and sports. You may not follow golf, but golf is a monster. Golf is a, the PGA Tour is a big deal. They've got a big time television contract. They've got big time sponsors. And under the really the play of of one Tiger Woods changed everything. And now these guys are playing for a lot of money each week. And then he had a rival tour startup called Live Tour that was backed by Saudi money. And it's been a big controversy for two years. And they've been hammering each other publicly. They've been hammering each other in the courtroom. And all of a sudden, this morning, you wake up and that uh, you got the European tour, you've got the PGA tour, and you got the live tour now all merging under a cloud of darkness. Nobody knew about this. In a, in a time when nobody keeps secrets, this was kept secret from everybody because technically the players. I don't know if you know this, Cody, but technically it's the players of the PGA Tour who own the tour. Do you know that? I did not, but I read about how a lot of the guys did not know that this was going down, which was fascinating. No, no, not a lot. None. Yeah, I think Colin Morikawa had the tweet. It was, uh, I love waking up in the morning to get my news from Twitter. You had guys who turned down over $100 million to go play on the Live Tour to stay true to the PGA Tour. Some turned down hundreds of millions. And now they wake up. What they fought for, they've now joined. And the reason why I bring this up, not because we're now into golf on Ace Cast Live, and I'm going to bring on our resident golf expert, Ken Korak. It's just, it goes to show, the minute you get after their antitrust law and their protections, they fold like a cheap suit. It's why... All of a sudden, John Shea of the San Francisco Chronicle starts bringing up territorial rights. What? We're back to talking about territorial rights? San Jose? The Giants? Maybe, just maybe, people in baseball realize that all this was wrong and that the Haas family who gave the territorial rights to the Giants to try and get Two votes in San Jose, not one, but two. Both failed. And then the Haas family, like a bunch of idiots, didn't get it back because every market is equal territory. The Mets have equal territory with the Yankees. 
Cubs and White Sox, Dodgers and and Angels. That's why the Angels have threatened to move next to Dodger Stadium because legally they can. That's it's a two team territory. Why do I bring this up? Why do I bring the PGA? I just because it just goes to show you the minute you mess with a league's antitrust protection, things change dramatically. Two years of being in a courtroom between Liv and PGA, and now they merge, and no one knew about it. We just had the PGA Championship. That's called a major. If you, I understand some of you don't follow golf. That's why there's four majors a year. There's the Masters. There's the U.S. Open, there's the PGA, and there's the Open Championship. We call it also the British Open over in Europe. There's four big ones a year. Just played one, the PGA. And no one knew about it? Nobody. Everybody's waking up today. I woke up today and thought it wasn't real. Just goes to show. There's so much stuff that goes on business-wise that's on the down low that we don't know about. And that's why you sit back and, you know, the people are going to fight the fight. You keep fighting your fight. You keep fighting the fight. You never, I mean, you never know. And the situation, I guess for us, Cody, is that, you know, it's like, you know, tell us when it's, tell us when it's done. But this is, this thing's got a long way to go. And, And as I tell people, as my wife just to give you a little insight about our lives, essentially our lives, everybody is asking us where we're moving to, to give you an idea. My wife just did a couple, uh, we have friends whose kids are graduating from high school, so my wife, I had to work, obviously, because I've got Marlon's A's, uh, but my wife was at multiple graduation parties, and the number one question comes up to her is about where you're moving to. So that's how our lives are rolling these days. And like I tell everybody, Everything is so people used to say to me, Cody, well, what are you going to do about your kids? What are you going to do about your kids? Ask me, Cody, what am I going to do about my children? What are you going to do, your... you do about your kids? My kids will be graduated from college by the time this thing happens. <laughs> that's how ridiculous it's gotten. And that's all I'm going to say. It's gotten so crazy that people have always asked me about my kids and what am I going to do? Because, you know, the way it works for us as employees is different from non-employees. For you fans, it's different for us. It just is. And, you know, I have a lot invested in the Bay Area. I've lived here my entire adult life. I have a business here. I have my house. I have a lot invested here. So when people ask, where are you, where are you moving to? It's, it's pretty personal. And then they bring your kids into it. Well, I, I was thinking about it. My kids will be graduated from college. I'll be 40. I'll be 40. We're hoping hoping you'll have a kid by then. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a great point you brought. I mean, uh, in the press box before I walked out yesterday to go meet up with my wife and some friends that were sitting in the seats behind uh, J.J. Bladé's family. Uh, Thank you to the great Mickey Morabito for that. Uh, On the way out, I saw when I interned here in Pittsburgh in TV before I graduated college, I saw the what everyone calls or who everyone calls the godfather of Pittsburgh sports, Bob Pompiani, and I and I talked to him. And the first question he asked was, so when you – the whole thing about Vegas. And yeah. it's like – it's the first thing everyone asked me. So I know exactly what you're talking about, especially here now that I'm here and they know I work for the team. So I've been it's dealing with it every day. everywhere we go. Yeah. It's everywhere. We, we can't escape it. It's everywhere we go. It's part of the job. You just got to deal with it. And, you know, just to keep it real, 
there's probably going to be a special session in Nevada. That's how the Raider deal went down. So, I mean, I can't, I can't control it. You can't control it. I, we were, we were going to acknowledge it today. So, you know, that we know what's going on. We're not, we're not, we're, we're not going to act like this isn't happening. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough and it's emotional and it affects a lot of different people. And it's not, it's not easy for any of us, but I keep falling back on the, you know what? This is so far away. <laughs> I mean, even Vegas was supposed to be the quick path and that's 2028. I'm like, my kids will be, and thank you for everybody that that's always reached out. And I've had a lot of people reach out concerning us and, um, and, and my family. Well, what are you going to do with your kids? Yeah, my kids will be, unless they screw up. Now, that's the one caveat. If they screw up, it could be longer than four years. But I, I, I'm throwing the, you better be done in four years. And if you're going to a fifth year, you better have a reason. And don't be coming with me with, no, I want to be a doctor. Well, I just saw my best friend who was a doctor here, and it took him forever. What, eight, nine, ten years, something like that. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, he had to go to med school on an island. That's where he went to med school to save. I mean, to save money. But he, it was a good program. But yeah, took forever for him. But now he's a doctor. But think about that. My kids, my kids are going to be seniors. They're, they'll they'll be grad. They'll either they'll probably there's a good chance they'll be graduated from college. So that's how I see it. And I've said for a lot. You've heard me say it. You've heard me say this, Cody. And. I've stuck to this. We're going to be playing at the Coliseum for a long time. Yeah, you have said it, and I, I mean, we're, I mean, everybody, it's it, it's everybody. I'm telling you, next year we'll see at the Coliseum. I'm going to end on that, and I'm not expecting anything different anytime soon. Uh, great show today, put together by the Commander. Just to let you know, two things. I know there's a, a big event at the Coliseum coming up here on Tuesday. Um, I'm not going to be here. I luckily uh, got permission. My, my, my kids are just out of school this week. And my wonderful boss, have I ever told you how great of a boss Delaire is? Uh, I think we've mentioned it numerous times. He, he gets shot out a lot on here. He's a great boss. Delaire Lewars, have I ever told you what a wonderful, incredible Good-looking, great personality. He's tall. The world is his oyster type of guy. He is. Dare we say silver, silver, silver hair, silvered hair fox? Is that is that a little too personal, or is that is that an apt huh? description? What's the old thing? Men want to be like him. Women want to be with him. He's like he's like John Wayne. <laughs> that's a fair. That's a fair uh, assessment of Delaire. Yes, the great Delaire. Uh, my my wife kind of gave me the business about working every game. So uh I'm going to Hawaii for a few days. Gonna 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 step back for a few days and uh I got I got TV tomorrow, NBC. I'll be on the post game show uh after I'm done hosting A's post get Toyota, I guess post game live now, but A's post game live. And then uh Friday I go to Hawaii and then I'll be back for Thursdays, I do TV on Thursday. So what I want to throw out there and let everybody know that I know there's a big thing that's going to happen on Tuesday and I'm not going to be around and it's not because I'm trying to avoid this. It's because I just, I got, was able to get some time off from Delaire 
and just kind of decompress. I have worked every game. Have you worked every game? Uh, no, but I will be working. I will. I don't know if I'm the de facto host while you're gone of Ace Cast, but there will be, there will be a trio of us doing it. They'll say that. I won't give away the names, but there will be three of us doing it next week. I'm going to miss. I am going to miss, by the way, Friday. Is Eno coming on Friday? Uh, this Oh, this Friday. I didn't even think about that. Um, I'd have to talk to him. But, yeah, that was my plan. Because I've got an article for him. Do you see our old buddy Bobby Nightingale? Uh, I did not see his article. MLB continues to be stricken with nightmare epidemic. Do you know what that nightmare epidemic is? Pitching injuries? Elbow injuries. And everything that we've been saying on A's Cast Live is in this USA Today article. Everything. Oh, my God. I mean, with everything going on in Nevada and everything going on with the PGA Tour and Live, and folks, just pay attention to the PGA Tour Live thing. You can learn a lot about how sports leagues operate. You can learn, even if you know nothing about golf, you don't care about golf, this is Saudi money, this is the PGA Tour, it's television contracts, it's antitrust law, it just tells you a lot about sports leagues. A league that literally sat there and kicked all the live. When you went to live, they kicked you out of the PGA Tour, fought you, told you were the worst thing ever, and they've now merged out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, it's the almighty dollar and anti and going after anti somebody's antitrust. If you can get after somebody's antitrust, they will fold like a cheap suit. But in my hand, I hold this article from the USA Today because I've wanted to. You know, we've got numbers, Cody, on everything. We've got, you know, we can tell you numbers on anything. We don't have numbers on Tommy John. And I wonder why. I don't think teams want you to know. I really don't. Because that's why it's said here, a nightmare epidemic. And when we talk about epidemics, it now means something after COVID, right? Now we, uh, epidemic, that, that, that word stands out. There have been 30 pitchers who have undergone Tommy John surgery this year. That's big league. That's a lot. Do you know how many in May? Um, no, I'm going to say, say 10. 12. We've had 12 big league pitchers have Tommy John. UCL runs through that little crack in your elbow. It's the way we call the funny bone. And what they do is they take it out of that, tie like a bow around it. They either take like a ligament from your thumb or your butt or whatever, and they tie it and they make it stronger. Everybody from Robbie Ray, Kumar Rocker, Luis Garcia, the Astros, Herman Marquez from the Rockies, it goes on and on. Elbow and shoulder injuries have increased 44% from a year ago, and no one's blaming the clock here. The clock is bogus. They're talking about the pitch clock because they don't want to talk about the truth. Because in here, of course, Cody, you know Dr. David Altchek, renowned orthopedist for the New York Mets, correct? Uh, yeah, good friend. Good friend of yours. You guys play golf. Um he comes on in here 
Renown. Renown means everybody knows this guy's a big deal, right? He's just not your regular go down the street, get knee surgery guy. Uh, he says, quote, there have been a lot of studies done and looked at variables about the ulnar ligament injuries, ulnar nerve, right? the ulnar ligament right here runs through the ulnar nerve. But the only issues that clearly stand out, do you think he says pitch clock? No. The only issue that clearly stands out is velocity. Guys throwing harder will have higher incidence of injuries that injuries that ligament. Throwing harder really seems to make a big difference. And then they go on to talk about something that I had never thought about. Weighted balls may be a big problem. And how you utilize weighted balls. We see guys, because we're there before the game starts, we see, I mean, Fuji carries around like a doctor's kit with his weighted balls. Everybody's using these weighted balls. That may be part of the problem. But this renowned orthopedic surgeon says there's one thing and one thing only. That is velocity. Our addiction to velocity is hurting pitchers because their arms, their ligaments, it's not something you can strengthen. You can try and strengthen things around it, but you can't strengthen your elbow, your ligament in your elbow. Can't do it. I'm going to go Mike Singletary. Can't do it. Can't win with them. They got a problem. Because front offices are also addicted to velocity. They're addicted to it. How many times, where's my iPad? How many times have they said, while they're in the dugout watching the game, all of a sudden they realized, guys, fastball's down three ticks. Fastball's down three ticks, Cody. What does that mean? We've got to go get them. Got to go get them. I mean, perfect example I looked at for today, Caps fastball velocity is down from last year. Just to throw that out there. Got to go get them. Got to go get them. That's what they do on a nightly basis. They feel your velocity is down two, three miles an hour. Hey, he's a pitcher. Let him pitch. Let him get out. Nope. They're not pitchers. They're throwers. And the minute they think that their spin rates and they're they're you're not getting as much spin on your uh, on the old slider, on your slider, on your curveball, go get them, get him out. And we're teaching these kids to they're now addicted to velocity because all they care about is how hard they throw and they can't stay healthy. So now now everybody's cool with kids getting Tommy John in, in, in high school and college. Like it's no big deal. Like it's an oil change. And it's not because so many guys don't come back. We talk about the guys who do come back. So many guys don't come back. Let me throw this one at you. You want some numbers? I'll give you numbers. Talk about the almighty dollar. Do you think $433.6 million is a lot of money? Yeah, that's a fair chunk of change. That's close to half a billion dollars. That is the money that was spent on Verlander, DeGrom, and Carlos Rodon. Three pitchers this offseason signed for $433.6 million. $433.6 million. They have combined for 12 starts, 66 and a third innings. Rodon hasn't pitched yet for the Yankees. Verlander has been hurt, and DeGrom was just moved to the 60-day IL. 
Three pitchers, $433 million. I can't wait. Uh, I haven't even talked about our guest today. One of the brightest men in all of sports, Doug Glanville, former player and professor, will be here at uh, 1.30. We're going to have Greg Brown, the voice of the Pirates, Ray, the author of Raise the Jolly Roger, will be here at 2.30. And uh, Martin Gallegos at 3 o'clock. Uh, Martin... I was going to tell you real quick, Martin went to the Roberto Clemente Museum here in Pittsburgh. We cannot, you can talk to him about that because all the broadcasters went, too. They have a Roberto Clemente Museum? Yeah, I've never got a chance to go, but they, I saw that they all went this morning, and Martin was there as well. So um, that's something we can definitely get in. We can talk to him about. I love it. Well, you know I'm a big museum guy. Yeah, it seemed like a really cool place. I, when I come back next time, I think we're going to come back in Christmas time. I'll try to get to it then. God, I'd love to go to the Roberto Clemente Museum. They probably have some killer stuff in there. Uh, from the images I saw shared on social media, it looks like there was a lot of cool stuff in there. Um, I saw Vince I and Dallas were there. I would even had like some Willie Stargell stuff in there, guys he played with. Yeah, that, I mean, there's probably all kinds of cool stuff, and um, I'm definitely going to try to check it out next time I come back home. As I tried to educate you that he won two World Series, not one. I hope you now know that. Yeah, 60, 60 and 71 because he passed right after. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to Doug Glanville about this. So we're not talking about pitch clock. We're not talking about anything. Max Scherzer, get off your high horse on the pitch clock and stop being an entitled baby. Uh, this has nothing to do with pitch clock. Because guys were getting hurt at a record rate without pitch clock. This year, 44% increase in injuries. And velocity is the highest, highest it's ever been. Oral Hershiser, who I have a lot of respect for, right? We know Oral was a great pitcher. Uh, probably was on his way to the Hall of Fame until he hurt his shoulder. And then pitched for years after that. He said maybe it's time to start thinking about reducing the 162-game schedule to try and protect these pitchers. Because he says, and there's something to this, this is the best the baseball has ever been thrown. But you can't strengthen connective tissue. I mean, the toothpaste is out of the tube. It's not like you're going to get guys to not try and throw as hard because that's all they want to draft. How hard do you throw? We're addicted to velocity. So if you're addicted to velocity, what do you do? That's why we'll ask Doug Glanville, who's smarter than both of us. Yeah, and I saw his uh, his podcast partner on Starkville, Jason Stark, had a great article in The Athletic about what we've learned 60 games into the season. So it came out yesterday. Going into yesterday, including openers, there have been 254 different starting pitchers this year. That's eight and a half per team. And we've seen 246 pitchers go on the injured list uh, in the, at this point right now in the season. That, it was at 225 last year. So went up 21 from last year already. It's crazy. Coming up next, Doug Glanville, one of the smartest guys in baseball right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. 
Well, you know, we always dub them all the smartest guys in sports. Yeah. Doug, it's great to have you back on the program. How are you? How are you? How are you? It's good to have you yeah. back on. Yeah, great to be here, man. Appreciate it. You know, I don't I don't know. I mean, you guys on the East Coast would have seen it before us. I don't know how much you've been following today's big action about uh, the PGA Tour and Live Golf and the merger. They've been in a two-year major lawsuit. You're talking about going after antitrust. It's the Saudi back league and the Saudi money. Have you followed any of that? And as someone who follows a lot of professional sports, what you make of when you got leagues merging like this when they were basically virtual enemies? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I do follow it in that um, I do a show on Marquee Sports Network called Classes in Session. So we talk a lot about issues beyond baseball that intersect sport and social issues. And uh, I teach the course at UConn. So uh, they went and they won the national champion. We had plenty to talk about. So one of the topics we went through was sports washing through the Olympics and just talking about how uh, nations may use or or organizations may use sport to try to cover an image and lean into the best of sport to sort of redirect your attention to something else. Uh, but there's certain business realities the PGA seems to be up against that, you know, it's like, I don't know, you can't beat them kind of thing. Uh, they're trying to figure out a way to, you know, come up with a, a balanced solution. So that's the power of it. And there, it creates a lot of opportunities to discuss the significance of sports and the sort of the ethical questions that come with it. Yeah, it's something that we've dealt with here in the Bay Area for a long time. You know, as the A's years ago gave up their territorial rights of what we call the South Bay, basically San Jose and Silicon Valley and Santa Clara County. So the Giants could try and move to San Jose. They had two votes. Both votes failed. And then they almost moved to St. Petersburg. But in the very end, Peter McGowan and his group stepped in, saved the Giants. And now they built Pac Bell Park. Obviously, after all these years, it's now Oracle. But then the Giants never wanted to give the territorial rights back because they said they created all of this. You know, the, the fans and the sponsors and everybody, they got partly because of the territorial rights. And no one was ever going to sue and no one was ever going to really, really challenge this because of baseball's antitrust uh, protection. So when a lot of people always talk about, well, why doesn't this team do this and why doesn't that team do that? Well, the owners are not going to sue each other. And you can probably talk better than I can about this because they want to protect that antitrust protection. Yeah. And although it's you know weakened a little bit over time through many cases of antitrust, it's still there's still power in that. And they have a certain understanding you know, when it comes to territory and, it, and that trickles into the minor leagues as well. Uh, you know, I, I live in Connecticut and in Hartford, the yard goats formed and there was already a team in New Britain, Connecticut. So that was like a big battle about territory and double A versus triple A and, and all these things. So um, and yeah, just remember with the, the financing of the stadium in San Francisco, that was privately funded and that was really unique uh, and probably scared a lot of it's like, wait a minute. We could yeah. go to the city, so why would we do that, right? So, yeah. so um, you know, so it also uh, creates some interesting conversations about private funding versus public, and uh, and when I think about the social issues around that, you come to discuss a lot of things about what your rights are as a player. You know, Colin Kaepernick, right? You know, taking First Amendment rights whether you're, when you're with a public entity versus a private enterprise, right? And and those are two different things. So uh, I think it's fascinating, and I, I love uh, you know going over it in my class and discussing it once a month on the show. 
I can I can tell you a lot of people watching this and a lot of people listening to this and we'll have a ton of people who download this also. They would be fascinated with your class because we all like sports, but there becomes a point in all of us we're so curious that we want to know how how the business of sports really works. I'd love to take your class. I mean, obviously <laughs> you're in Connecticut. I, maybe I could do it online, but your class sounds fascinating. Well, I love it. it you know, it, it was one of those moments I put it all together uh, it, during a time where I was part of the the wave of layoffs at ESPN. And I was like, you know, these are all the things I wish I could talk about. And I wrote it all down and I took it to my alma mater at Penn and they were like, yeah, go ahead, see what you can do. So I taught it and it started off as a communications class, which made sense with media. And then I moved it to political science at Yale. And then I went to UConn with their, you know, sports power there and uh, broadened it. So I love it. I just look at the history of sports. I bring it to current events. I talk a lot of current events with the students. And I also use the ways that we engage social issues. Politically, I use the media side of it. I talk about the law and how that works. And, and the students love it. We have so much fun because I bring current events. There's so much stuff that goes on. You just mentioned Live Golf. I'm like, I would have brought that into class today and said, let's talk yeah. about it. So, um, yeah, so I, it's um, a lot of fun. And I'm definitely looking to expand it beyond uh, UConn. And uh, so I'll keep you posted on that. But in the end, the students enjoy it. And I enjoy it. I learn a lot from the students. So I feel like I'm a student in this, too. You know, we've talked so much, A's fans, obviously everything that's going on with us, Nevada, Oakland, um, not signing players long-term. I, I heard about Jim Crane, and this just blew my mind, that after their last World Series, on the field is everybody celebrating, they're hugging, they're, you know, it's the greatest thing ever, they're handing out the hats and the shirts and the confetti's going and everything, that Jim Crane was asked by a journalist about, Hey, how do you keep this dynasty going? And Jim Crane basically goes, well, we have a five-year plan to be able to replace anybody here. And I'm thinking about how cold-blooded is that on the field as you're celebrating winning the World Series that the first, when you get asked that question about, all oh, these are a great group of guys, we want to keep winning, you think, I can replace any of these guys in the next five years and i got a plan to do it. But – They've been to the ALCS six straight years. They've been to four World Series. They've won two. We as A's fans hate them and think they're a bunch of cheaters. But there's something to be said about that cold-hearted mentality. The Rays have it, too. We want we want to love our players and buy jerseys and put up statues. But that really, in modern-day sports is not that smart. Just talk about that. When you hear Jim Crane say that, it just sounds cold-blooded, but it also sounds very smart. Yeah, and, and it has a lot to do with perspective. I mean, as a player, of course, that sends a chill down your spine. Like, you're, you are expendable, but you do learn that from your agent. And that's why in the finite time that you do have a career, you do try to maximize, like, what you can make. You know, you try to earn what you can because that's it. It's a window, and pretty soon you're on the other side of that bell curve, and you're expendable, and that's it. And, and pretty much everybody is. And we saw with Freddie Freeman in Atlanta. I mean, this is a you know, partnership you see, oh, Freddie Freeman would be a brave forever. And then, like, Alex Anthopoulos was like, okay, here's the window of time. And then what did he do? He got an Olsen who was younger, and they could sign for longer term and have much more of a horizon. Even though Freddie Freeman still one of the best hitters in the game. It's just that, you know, that cold-bloodedness, as, as you talked about, is, is part of, like, the business side that steps away from a little things that I relate to as a younger fan of, oh, yeah, my favorite player, Mike Schmidt, is going to be a Philly forever. That's a 
that's a beautiful feeling. But you also ask yourself that question, I want my team to win, and, and is he part of that equation? And if you love someone like Mike Schmidt or you're a fan of someone, then you're like the, the business side will say, well, we'll make him a coach. That's fine. He can, he can still be there. Doesn't mean he's batting third in the lineup, right? So, uh, so they can love you and make you a special assistant to the GM, but it doesn't mean they're going to pay you a lot of money if you're not still very productive. Yeah, you bring up the Freddie Freeman thing. It was like like the communication between the agent and the team. And I mean, there's one, there's two sides to it. There's always two sides to a story, what to believe. But, you know, it sounds like Fre- Freddie was definitely hurt. First time he goes back there, he's in tears. And it sounds like I would have signed for what? And then now, I mean, if season ended today, the guy could be the National League MVP. <laughs> yeah. uh, never, he never skipped the beat. I know there was questions about like his you know, challenge of leaving Atlanta. But what I loved about Freddie Freeman, and he's a great guy, is that it was, it's truly the honest emotions you feel about getting traded and leaving. I was traded, I was drafted by the Cubs, and they traded me to the Phillies, which was my childhood team. But I was still upset because I spent my whole year in minor leagues and winter ball in Puerto Rico, and I finally got to the point where I'd be a starter and they trade me. I was upset about that, right? And and that feeling of still feeling like a cub, even though the Phillies were the, the team I loved as a kid, and and I be, and even though I had a better chance to start in Philadelphia, so there's a lot of pain in in transition, and and someone and the vision of what you think and how it's going to end versus how it actually how it goes, and it, it rarely goes the way you expect, even for Derek Jeter, who probably wanted to hit 350 in his last year and hit like 210 or whatever. So, you know, it's um. It's the transitions are hard and, and Freeman, but he still was a pro. It wasn't like he said, Oh, I'm going to not show up. He still destroyed his opponents. He might've been in through tears, but he still beat up on the Braves every chance he got. You know, we, we, we don't think about, we'll say transition being tough on players and our guy, Marcus Simeon right now. I mean, he's playing at, at a level where you're saying, Hey, season ended today, uh, American league MVP. He's got 24 game hitting streak. He's absolutely red hot. I mean, he leaves Oakland, wanted to stay. It is what it is. Goes to Toronto. Toronto's on that, you know, can't go home, can't play in Canada. Got to play at these minor league facilities. I mean, it was just a wild one year for him there. And then he signs, and we we know his family and his wife, and they, he and the, the wife, the boys, they head on to Texas, and they buy a new house and gets off to a slow start. And there was a lot going on for Marcus. And now that Marcus is situated – family's good kids are, are good get him into school everything's normal again look how he's playing we never really think about that with players we just expect we sign you you get the money you play well and there's a lot more to it and obviously you've experienced that well there's a whole lot more to it and um you know family you know it's a it's a you know something that's so powerful and so supportive in many ways but also when they're not stabilized and you're not stabilized it can really derail you. And and that's the reality of, I didn't have kids while I was playing, but I certainly knew a lot of players that had kids and it was really tough to get traded in the middle of a season or to try to find a house or something. You know, you go on the road and someone breaks into your home, all this stuff. I mean, there's so many stories like that where players are, are distracted because of things that happen in their personal lives. In my case, my dad had a major stroke the last game of spring training in 2000. 
And uh, it was horrible. And I tried to, you know, get home. And my mom's like, wait till we come east. And we're opening the season against Randy Johnson. I mean, how are you going to hit this dude? And your dad's like, you know, in a hospital on the East Coast. So, you know, this is what, and I went through that for three years. My dad was in and out of the hospital. So, you know, when you look at my bubblegum card, I wouldn't trade it for, for the world. But I hit 325 in 99, and I never found that again. And, um, and there was three years of, like, torment, basically, of dealing with my dad being sick. And he ultimately passed away in 2002, the last game of the season. So that's just a small microcosm of, you know, of what players deal with in real time when they talk about family and kids and, and having babies and guys, you know, Austin Riley, guys who have young kids and they're just trying to figure it out. So uh, it's, it's tough. And eventually, if they get the right environment, they settle in and they, they find it again. But you got to keep your family safe and you got to make sure that they're, you know, they're, they have what they need. Bob Nightingale just did an article, and it's something that we talk a lot about here on this show and trying to figure it out. And it, it, as, it, as he says in the title of this article in the USA Today, nightmare epidemic elbow injuries. And there have been 30 pitchers that have undergone Tommy John surgery this year. We've had 12 in the month of May. Shoulder and elbow injuries are up 44%. And the orthopedist from the Mets says it's simply one thing. It's velocity. The ligaments, uh, the connective tissue, you can't strengthen it. It is what it is. And the harder that you try and throw and maximize everything out of your body, the more injuries we're going to see. And our sport right now is so addicted to velocity. The front offices, the draft, amateur baseball, Tommy John surgery for high school kids, college kids. Do you think there's going to be ever a pullback or, or is the toothpaste out of the tube, as they say, and it's never going back in? Well, toothpaste may be out of the tube. And, and part of it is that as long as there is someone to come back and fill the void, the next guy in line is just going to take it. It's just like we just talked about Jim Crane, like the expendability. If you don't run out of the expendable and the supply is still there, we just keep going. And it's not that they don't care about this. They, they certainly want people to be healthy. Uh, and I think that there's so much science around it to create maximum velocity and max effort and all that. You wondered where that would ultimately go because, fine, you go four innings or five innings as a starter, but you're throwing 100 and throwing as hard as you can. You say, I don't worry about it because I don't have to go nine innings anymore as a starter. Or I'm coming in for three batters and that's it. Or one inning, just the lefty, I'm just maxing out because that's that's my window. I have to worry about going five innings. And you wonder if that science or the sort of pseudoscience around, oh, I'm not pitching that long, doesn't actually translate to being healthier. And I, I'm sure the data is going to continue to come in. But it does seem like at some point, you know, guys throwing 100 miles an hour consistently, it's hard to sustain that and because it's so different than what I played. And, and did people become so scientifically better and so more in terms of superior athletes in that short period of time, 10 years ago, 15? Probably not. It was something exponentially happened, and I don't know if the bodies are keeping up with it. it, it it's, I'm so glad you're saying that because, yeah, it's like you, you're not that old. It's like you were just playing, it seems like. <laughs> and the fact that 
yeah, you'd get a rare guy to throw that hard, and now everybody throws that hard, and now we're watching college baseball, and we got guys hitting 100 miles an hour on a routine basis. I played college baseball in the early 90s. Nobody threw 100. Nobody threw high 90s. A guy blowing gas was 94, 95. If you threw 90, you were throwing hard, and now 94, 95 is no big deal. We see we – see, Regular lefties coming out of pin throwing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's everybody throws hard, and it's partly because they want to. You know, that's, you know, that's what it's the emphasis like throw hard, and the data's in about like how hard it is to hit. You put some movement on it, and that's it. You, you're just going to miss, you know, get swing and miss and get chase. So it's effective. That's, that's why they, they do it. But look, Kurt Schilling, I played with guys like that. Like he, he would used to say, like, I had, you know, two or three different moments where I could go 99, 98, and I'd pick my spot. It's, he could throw that hard. He just elected not to because he was, you know, I have to go nine innings. He had other goals in mind, and and he pitched through that to use his defense and so on. So there's a lot of guys I'm sure could have thrown harder and decided not to because they were more effective in thinking through the mentality of pitching longer. We're talking particularly in starters. And, uh, and that's a big mentality shift that we have today. Yeah, your buddy Jason Stark has come out with a good article about the first part of the season. It's like teams are averaging so far eight and a half starters. Eight and a half. I mean, we're just in June. I think about the trading deadline coming up because I know we're one of the teams because there's going to be way more with expanded playoffs. There's way more buyers than sellers. And even if you probably should be a seller, you don't want to look like a seller because then all of a sudden no one's going to show up to your games if they think you wave the white flag. So uh, just when we start to look at the trading deadline and, and all the GMs and assistant GMs are starting to talk right now and plant the seeds, uh, just how tough is that looking for pitching when there's way more buyers than sellers and so many guys are getting hurt. You don't need, I mean, where are all the, where are we going to get all the, uh, these arms? You just can't go to like home Depot and go to arms Depot and get guys. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, well, it's um, sometimes it's your depth in the minor leagues. You get a guy that comes from double A. Like I saw Bobby Miller, the pitcher for the Dodgers, not a whole lot of minor league experience, but they're like, he throws a hundred. So there he was. And he shut the Yankees down for six innings. So you might just get guys that you can piecemeal in. And then while, you know, a guy like Julio Rios or guys are hurt and they're, you're waiting for them to come back, that becomes your trade. Get this guy, get Jacob DeGrom healthy. There's your trade. <laughs> so you have to look a little bit internally, look in your minor league system. And if not, you, you hope there's a team like the Brewers were last year that you're like, well, they're not out of it. They're actually in it, but they're still going to trade Josh Hader because they think they have a good option in their bullpen already. They, had, they felt like they had an embarrassment of riches, so to speak. So maybe that's true again this year, Corbin Burns or something. They're like, well, they're not out of it, but they still will move a guy. And that's where you got. That's what you start to see sometimes with this like upside down supply and demand of what we're used to. There is there's more demand out there for these pitchers, and there just isn't a lot of guys. Let's end on this. As you know, we're going through a really tough season right now. The A's are twelve and fifty, and it's one of the worst seasons we've seen since nineteen hundred. If you could. You know, it's like being a professor, being like a dad, being like a confidant, a therapist. If you could give a message to Mark Kotze and the staff, to the current players, what would that message be? I would just say two words, 
Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> These guys were destroyed a couple of years ago. A bunch of young kids didn't know what they were doing. And they just said, let's just get experience. Let's put them out there. And you start to see guys make adjustments and slowly figure it out. You add a piece or two. You find some veteran in there. And all of a sudden, you could be in a different position. It's not a lack of talent. We could look at 12 and 50. But if I got in the batter's box against some of these guys, I am sure it would be a nightmare because these guys throw hard. Uh, look, the A's pitching, you know, they're giving up a ton of home runs. They The command but if you know they they keep improving and that that can change really quickly, so I just think it's a matter of time. And if they can commit and, and keep guys, right, you know, build from that and not be a farm system for another organization and add some pieces, then what I've seen from the Diamondbacks and other teams, it could turn around really quickly. Well, I always say it: we're a lot smarter when we have you on the program. It's always an honor to have you on. Uh, it's great to watch your career grow from a player to do all the things that you're doing in our game, from a broadcaster to a, a professor. It's really awesome stuff. So, always, thank you very much. We truly appreciate the time, and let's talk later on during the season. Always a pleasure, and Ace Cast is one of my favorites. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. The great Doug Glanville. That guy. I mean, professor at UConn, broadcaster, podcaster, author, writer. Am I missing anything? Um, I don't think so. Oh, he does stuff on uh, Marquee also for the Cubs that's broadcasting. So, Well, I said broadcaster. Yeah, uh, he does. He has multiple hats with broadcasting. The yeah. Podcast I, mean, it's amazing. I mean, his career has been – I, you know what we like to say about ourselves, and I'm giving you time to get the breaking news sound. I already have it ready. Okay, you, you've been texting me. Cody's texting me just to give you a little insight. And why do I keep looking right today? Is because Cody took the i. You have the iPad in Pittsburgh, don't you? Uh, yes, it's actually right here. That's how we're. That's how we're able to see this. The view of PNC Park. Yeah, that's the iPad of how I see the show normally. So right now I'm looking at a blank camera. So I can't see anything unless I, I look over to my right. Um, but, you know, when we joke, and it's it's what we want to be. We're, we're, we're multimedia. That This is where the world is going. As if you haven't been following the issues with cable television and baseball, this is where everything is going. And so you got to be you got to be doing a lot of different things. So. Uh, when you talk multimedia, which we want to be, we you know, athletics.com slash AceCast, you can listen to us, you can watch us on YouTube, you can watch us on Twitter, you can watch us on Facebook. You know, our stuff pops up on, on NBC Sports California. We want to be everywhere. And that's what Doug Glanville's doing in. And really smart. How many guys, and I knew, I knew that I could bring up the PGA Tour and Live Golf Merger and the DP, the DP World Tour, for people who don't follow golf, was the European Tour. It's now the DP World Tour. So you've got the PGA Tour, Live Golf, the devil to them, and the and the DP Tour, World Tour. Uh, they The DP World Tour and the PGA Tour connected while Live Golf was the devil backed by so – they've now all merged, and no one knew about it, and it's crazy. The business of sports, and I knew, Cody, I could ask him about it, and doesn't he just like boom as a great answer? Yeah, I mean the guy knows everything. It's he's the smartest guy in baseball. I mean we you say it all the time. I mean he teaches at UConn. Uh, that's a pretty good school, and he went to Penn. No, it's well like, he so it sounds like he did classes at Penn, Yale, and then now lives in Connecticut and, and did it with UConn. All right, 
Breaking news in baseball. Breaking, and I mean major, major, major news. Live from the ABC Sports Desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. So as I'm doing the Doug Glanville interview, my phone's going bzz, bzz, bzz. We have breaking news on Jacob DeGrom, who was the big free agent for the Texas Rangers. It was a heartbreak for Mets fans, you know, because you got Uncle Steve there who's got all the money, Steve Cohen, the owner, worth $16 billion, the hedge fund guy. DeGrom gets a deal from the Rangers. Was it five for 185? Was that the deal? Correct, yeah, five for 185. Five for 185. Doesn't even take the deal back to the Mets. Just, I'm going with the Rangers. Shocked everybody in baseball. They made the commitment. The Rangers had told us that, you know, they're going to make commitment on hitters. That was Seager and Simeon. Then Seager and Simeon. That's a double S right there. And then they're going to make the the big deal for pitchers. And right now the Rangers, I mean, the Rangers are having an unbelievable season under Bruce Bochy. The Texas, Texas Rangers are 39 and 20. They have arguably the best offense in baseball. They are rolling. They are feeling it. And then this. So from Evan Grant, who covers the Rangers for the, I believe it's the, what is it? The Dallas morning news. Dallas Morning News. Jacob DeGrom will undergo Tommy John surgery to repair a tear in his UCL or the ulnar collateral ligament. Then he goes on to explain more. He said story forthcoming. To clarify, full extent of surgery will be determined once Dr. Keith Meister, who did the surgery on 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, gets inside of the elbow. For now, ligament repair. That doesn't rule out something like an internal brace. Either way, out at least 12 months. Okay. Didn't I start the story with the article from Bob Nightingale in the USA Today about the epidemic of elbow injuries? Correct. Make that now 31 pitchers on the year to have Tommy John surgery. 12 in May. This will be, I guess, the first one in June. My God, this is his second Tommy John surgery. I believe, did he have it in college or the minor leagues? I think it was, I want to say maybe, maybe it was college, but he was, I'd have to look to see when he had it. I thought it was college, but let me look. You guys have sold me the bit. And I, I, I do not want, I mean, if there was ever a time I don't want to say I told you so, I don't want to do that. But I have been, DeGrom is overrated. You guys with this, he's the greatest pitcher of all time, future Hall of Famer, best pitcher in the game because you're addicted to data. You're addicted to the velocity. Look how hard he throws. His slider is the best in baseball at 92, 93 miles an hour, but he can never stay healthy. So what? Because you just wanted him to go out there for five or six innings and strike everybody out. And you told me wins don't matter, which, oh, by the way, you're lucky I don't have time to maybe get to that today. I have a whole thing about pitchers' wins and who are the top teams in baseball. So wins don't matter because of Jacob DeGrom. Remember he used to sell that crap with me? Wins don't matter because of DeGrom. Because he only goes six innings and he doesn't get the win. You've been seeing so you. And the rest of you guys have been selling a bill of goods. There you go. There's your best pitcher of all time. There's your guy. Can't make it. 
still hurt, always hurt, not reliable, and you think he's the greatest thing ever. Well, that's your greatest thing ever. Now we're in June. We're in June. So the Rangers maybe get him back for next year. I mean, he's still got to have the surgery. 12 months? Well, 12 months, that's next June. And it'll be 36 then. He had the first one in October of 2010. He was in the minor leagues. Remember, he was a shortstop in college. And then he switched to being a pitcher. With, and I don't know if he did it at Stetson University where he played in Florida or if he just did it when he joined the Mets minor league system. And he didn't debut until he was 26. But, yeah, this is uh, five years, $185 million, and right down the drain. Well, not so far. But, well, first disastrous first year and a half probably for the Rangers with Jacob DeGrom. You guys have been selling this guy. As, I mean, even his Cy Young Awards, he was barely 200 innings. He, he is the poster boy for this article. Throw as hard as you pitch like a closer. Throw as hard as you can, and you're not going to go deep in games. And protect him, protect him, protect him. You've protected this guy as much as you could protect a guy. I, I don't know if there's ever been a pitcher who's had won two Cy Young Awards, and everybody said it was so great. I mean, Eno Saris on this show last week still had him as the best pitcher in baseball, and he can't pitch. Yeah, that's uh, the only guy I can think Mike of. Mike Petriello, Mike Petriello. Oh, DeGrom, DeGrom, DeGrom. You guys are so fascinated. You, you Admit it. You're addicted to velocity. You're not addicted to great pitching. You're not addicted. You're addicted to strikeouts and velocity. Admit it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, what's, that's how the game's being evaluated now. I can't – I mean, we're not – I mean, hopefully we see return the guys like Maddox and guys that pitch deep in the games, but – you mentioned guys that were babied. The only guy I could think of that got babied, he's number one aside, but he signed a big deal and he has some nerve damage. Is Steven Strasser, remember? Nat sat him up for an entire postseason run because they wanted to save his arm. And yeah. now How'd that he, work out? Now How'd he, that work out? He might never pitch again. He's not going to pitch again. Steven Strasburg's done. He's got nerve damage. He's not, He's been out for so long, it's not like all of a sudden he's going to wake up one day Hey, everything's good again. He's had the surgery. He's. I I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll go fine. I'll, I'll be the, I'll be the Debbie Downer on this. But you, you're not doing any. First of all, you're turning all these pitchers into throwers, not pitchers, and they can't stay healthy. And you're asking that you're asking them to take their bodies to the max, run the car at full speed at all times, and it breaks down, and. It's unfortunate because Jacob DeGrom, if Jacob DeGrom didn't throw 99 every pitch and his slider wasn't 92, 93 every pitch, if he threw 95 and the slider at 89 and didn't put the pressure on his arm the way he does on every single pitch, would he be healthy? Now, that's a hypothetical, and I got Jim Harbaugh in my ears going, hypotheticals, hypotheticals, but I just wonder. If we weren't all trying to go all out on every single pitch, that's fastball, that's breaking balls, would a guy be able to sustain a better career? I think in his case, yeah, probably. I mean, we don't know for sure, but I think it, it would it'd be a good correlation if he didn't throw as hard and didn't have as much break or throw his slider as hard. I think he would have stayed, he would have stayed healthier longer. I mean, it's a shame because we saw how good he was when he pitched, but the he doesn't pitch. I mean, I just looked at Strasburg. Since 2019, Strasburg has thrown 31 in the third inning since he signed that deal. 31 in the third since 2019. 
But, you know, you, you, you are kind of a hypocrite. Oh, it's a shame. Well, this is what you wanted. This is what you wanted. This is what you like. And this is what so many pe- people in baseball liked. I mean, I can find you countless videos, countless articles. Oh, DeGrom, fawning over DeGrom. Countless. You can't say healthy because you're asking him to do something his body can't do. But you loved it. You loved it. You are addicted to it. You're addicted to these guys doing stuff that's going to change their lives. For When you have Tommy John surgery, it changes your life. When you have Tommy John surgery for a second time, even a third time, dramatically change your life. But people like, I'm going to say it, Cody and all these people in the front office, they don't care. Tampa Bay Rays don't care that they're, they're burning out pitchers. Surgeries after surgeries after surgeries. No one really knows about it. What was that article from? Was it the Tampa Bay Times or the St. Petersburg, whatever, where it talked about, hey, a lot of people aren't, like, watching this, but Rays have more hurt pitchers than anybody in baseball. But at the same time, everybody was praising them. Oh, look at all the bullpenning. Look at all the openers. Look at all that. Look how great the Rays are. And none of their pitchers are staying healthy. Nobody cares. Yeah, they don't care about the players. It's, I mean, w- w- would we be like this in football? Hey, do this, and you guys are all going to blot your knees. But don't worry, we'll all go through major reconstructive surgery with our knees. No, but we're doing this in baseball because you guys don't care. Turn and burn, baby. Throw as hard as you can. Go to Tommy John. I don't care. I'll pick up. Wait for it, Cody. I'll pick up another guy on my fantasy team. Yeah, there- that's what the, the Rays are the best example of that. I mean, you, we saw how many, time, how many times has Glass now been hurt since he's been there. Shane Boz, another guy who they highly coveted, and he pitched a few games in, in that same trade. Um, they lost Drew Rasmussen already this year. Jeffrey Springs, who he doesn't throw hard, but he's another guy who had Tommy John who was doing well for them this year. I mean, they've lost so many guys over the years because of – they developed these guys, but then they also lose them. At the same, how, many, how many Tommy Johns Drew, Fairbanks had? I just had? remember Drew, Drew Rasmussen, who's already a Tommy Johns guy, he's got a flexor tendon problem in his elbow. Yeah, and he's he out. got him. Yeah. He's out. I mean, it's just, this is this – is, like, what are we doing? Do we not value these human beings and their skill to throw a baseball? That we're just going to say, we know – I mean, Mason Miller, we know he's going to blow. We know he's going to get hurt, but we'll just pitch him till he does, and we'll see. Has May, have, have you we heard anything about Mason Miller? I, not that I have, no. Nope. I'm sure, sure you haven't either. Nope. Just another guy throws really hard on the shelf, and it's just, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I think it's sad. I think it's really, really sad. That Jacob DeGrom, who has a Hall of Fame arm, who I have said is not a Hall of Famer yet, and people tried to argue with me that he is, and now he's on the shelf again till what is he? He'll be 36 now. When does he th- turn 37? Uh, I think he's 35 right now, so he'll be 36 probably some, and either before or during the year next year. He, DeGrom, actually, DeGrom's only 35. He he turns thirty. He's only he's, he's only, only thirty five. Sorry, he's only thirty four. He turns thirty five June nineteenth. So he'd be thirty six next year, right around the time he would probably re, if he returns in twelve months, which he probably won't. So he's coming back from a second Tommy John at thirty six years old. Yeah, unbelievable. 
But you know what, man? Hey, hey, all those games you pulled them because that was going to save him. All those games. All those games the Mets pulled him early to save him, only for him to go to the Rangers and get hurt. Unbelievable. Well, we also saw another thing happen today with another, you know, teams per, you know, he, they, everyone tabbed him an ace. Uh, Alec Manoa is now pitching in, like, the Florida Compax League for the Blue Jays because how bad he's been this year for them. That came out earlier, too. So he's another guy that's not going to be here. He's on an injury. He's just not here because he's not performing. That's a whole different ball game. He was at it. He's out of shape. We had that in the post game show last night, where you looked at the Blue Jays losing, and you're like, "He's one and seven. He's one and seven. That is just that. That is unbelievable. But yeah, that's. I mean, where are we going to get? What, what did you say the Jason Stark article? Eight teams are averaging eight and a half starters already, and there's been how many? Uh, so teams are, including openers, there have been 250. This is going into game 60, so yesterday um, when he wrote the article it was released. Including openers, there have been 254 different starting pitchers so far this year. Around It's about 8.5 per team. The number of pitchers on the injured list at this point last year is 225. It's already jumped to 246 uh, right now. Uh, and then he had – this is before DeGrom – 75 pitchers are headed for, are on the IL with the elbow trouble and 59 with shoulder problems over the first 63 days of the season. 75 on the IL for elbow, 59 for shoulder in the first, you know, how many 63 days of the season. I mean, where 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 are we going to find all these guys? Where are we going to find all these pitchers? And we're drafting guys that have already had Tommy John surgery. We're drafting a lot of them, first rounders that you're giving big, big money to. I mean, look at Kumar Rocker here. Kumar Rocker was selected by the Mets. They really looked at the medicals and went, then he goes back into the draft and then he goes to the Rangers. And what happens? He's got Tommy John surgery. Kumar Rocker was supposed out of Vanderbilt with Jack Leiter, Al Leiter's kid. They were supposed to, at one point, join Jacob deGrom in the rotation and be the future. John Gray, obviously, John Gray is on the ball well, but that, that, that they were supposed to join this revolution of pitchers coming to Texas to go with the hitting and Texas becoming a juggernaut. And you know what? Neither of these, you're not going to have deGrom or Kumar Rocker for a long time. And who knows? And now, Mark, the Texas – now, think about you're the Texas Rangers. You're off to this you're, – you're off to this great – I didn't even look at their actual – their page today in the notes. I'm sure they have some great stuff in there. But they have been – Marcus Simeon's off to a 24-game uh, hitting streak. Yeah, they're playing the Cardinals, who, by the way – And what – hey, um, is it safe to say the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, the paper – in St. Louis is not saying it's early anymore. Yeah, it. Uh, they're they're. I think it's panic time in St. Louis. Yeah, you. Oh, it's panic, panic time. Where's the panic button? Sorry, you can't I, say panic without having the button. So the Rangers are a win away. So this is all through the lens of Jacob Degrom is now out for the year. This is a guy that they planned on. If they're going to the playoffs. He's starting game one. He's your Wait for it, Bruce Bochy. He's your horse. Well done. Your horse. Well done. 
Your horse has been taken out back. Rangers are a win away from joining the Rays as the only teams across Major League Baseball with 40 wins this season. It would be the fastest by games the Rangers have ever reached the milestone. Rangers have had good teams. They represented the American League twice, back-to-back years, with our guy Wash at the helm in the uh, World Series. They had those good playoff teams with Pudge and and, uh, Juan gone back in the day. So this Rangers team would be the fastest by games to ever reach 40 wins. A win would put the Rangers 20 games over 500 for the first time since they won the American League West in 2016. They've won 13 of their last 16. The Rangers have won 20 20 of 28 games at Globe Life Field, second best to Tampa Bay. A win would give the Rangers their first eight-game win streak at home since 2017. Reigning AL Player of the Week, Corey Seager, has multiple hits in five consecutive games. He's 11 for 22, batting 500, four extra base hits, and six RBIs. Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon hitting 333, 20 RBIs, 26 runs. 20 RBIs and 26 runs and a 24-game hitting streak. It's the longest hitting streak across the majors. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe, he's hitting 353, five RBIs, last four games on the homestand. They are balling right now. They are scoring runs. They are pitching. They're the Texas Rangers. They've won four in a row. They're in first place. And then, eh, five well, years, $185 million. You sign a guy, and he is done. Uh, there's more from Evan Grant. Uh, this is from DeGrom. This is exact uh, tweet he sent out. DeGrom through tears. This stinks. It's not ideal, but at least we know what it is now. I want to get it fixed, and we'll set a goal to be back for the end of next year. Uh, Evan reports he will undergo surgery next week. Okay. If you think of how babied Jacob DeGrom has been when he's healthy. Okay. Where, wait, we're going to Nashville for the winter meetings. Yeah, that's where it is. I, this year. I literally mark my words, mark the tape. Anybody who tells me, well, Jacob DeGrom will be back next year. I'm going to stop them and say, respectfully, I, 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 can't, I can't listen to that. Because even when he comes back, you're going to baby him so much, he'll be a non-factor. That will be something that will be played out throughout the offseason. I don't know. Rangers, Rangers right now, we had the uh, – do you have it, Cody, the uh, projections? The projections came out for uh, where we are right now for playoffs. Oh, you mean the Fangraphs playoff odds? So they have the start of the year. You know who had them? I'll look at it real quick. Our our old buddy, Bobby Nightingale. Nightingale just busting out all kinds of stuff. Bob, I believe Bob had it last night. Hold on. Well, right now they have the Rangers at an 80.9% chance to make the playoffs, according to Fangraphs. And they have them at 40.5 to win the division. So they still like the Astros. Okay, so the Rangers started the year at 82.5, correct? Oh, win total? Yeah, I believe that's right around where it was. Yeah, well, I'm looking at Bob Nightingale's tweet from last night. They had the Rangers at 82.5. They now have the Rangers' win total at 93.5. And, yes, they still have – and this is from uh, Bet Online. By the way, this is – forget fan graphs. These are the guys that are playing for cash. Fangraphs doesn't play for cash. Fangraphs plays for the nerds online. We're now talking about people who play for real money. Uh, Astros, 
95 and a half to open the season. Now they have them just at 94 and a half. So the Texas Rangers are projected to go to the postseason. And now to do it without their guy. And I'm telling you, we're going to hear it. And I'm going to have to go. I respectfully disagree. You you know as good as as well as I do, Cody. In the offseason, no matter what happens to the Rangers this year, playoffs, hell, maybe they win the World Series. But you know as well as I do, they're going to be selling in the offseason. Well, when we get to Grom back. Oh, 100 percent. They're gonna be like, well, you know, that, that's gonna be better than acquiring somebody at the deadline. We're gonna have DeGrom. Got DeGrom back, and I'm gonna be like, oh really? You're getting DeGrom back, huh? To do what? He's going to pitch? How much is he going to pitch? That new arm that he's got at 36 years old? When he comes back, he'll be 36 years old. He'll age a year and a half, basically. He's going to He's gonna what? He's going to come back and be a, be a, be a horse? He's going to be your Matt Cain? He's your horse for their Bruce Bochy? No, he won't. You're going to baby him. He'll come out and throw like three innings. Three, four innings. That's all he'll be. Now, could that be a weapon out of the bullpen? Maybe, but Jacob DeGrom coming back next year, starting once every five days, is an absolute pipe dream. He hasn't done it in years. Remember how many times we gave you here on Ace Cast Live how many starts he's had over the years? He's had basically none. He's barely pitched for years. When's the last time? Look it up. When is the last time Jacob DeGrom gave you 25 starts in a season? Uh, I want to say it's 2019 because he threw 204 innings. Since then, he's had like, 44 starts. I'm not. I'm not even gonna. What, what year? 2019. And how many starts? Let me look it up. He had he had 204 innings, so that's well over 30, uh, over 25 starts. But I'm looking at his page right now. Uh, Degrom in 2019 had 32 starts. Yeah. What year is it? 2023. Since then, since 2019, when he had the 204 innings pitched. He's had 44 starts, 254 and two-thirds innings pitched since then. Think about that. They they acted like 204 innings was like, whoa, that's a good year. But, I mean, that's – I mean, that's that, – I mean, the only reason why innings and the pitcher win doesn't matter anymore is because you don't do things that allow pitchers to get the innings and the wins. So, yeah, you can go say it doesn't matter anymore. But it's because you've changed what you want pitchers to do. Like all of a sudden, and this will be a dramatic example. If all of a sudden we never run the football, ever, running backs never run the football, would would 1,000 yards mean anything? Would rushing touchdowns mean anything if you never run the football anymore? If the quarterback sits in shotgun and throws it every single down, would the running back position mean anything anymore? No. No. But – does that mean that's better football? No, not particularly. Well, that's basically what you and all your all your buddies have done. And I'll bring Amelia Schimmel into this. And you say, oh, the wind doesn't matter. Well, you've changed the game. When you've changed completely how you've played, yeah. Now, now a guy like DeGrom, who he's considered your, the greatest pitcher ever, can barely go 200 innings. And that's in a healthy year. I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke, and now you have Jason Starks. Like, you should be alarmed as a baseball fan of Jason Starks' article. I know you sent it to me. I haven't looked at it. But you should be alarmed that we're already, every single team has used probably nine to, I don't know, how many starters have we used? 
we're we're a bad example though. Uh, but if it, the, the average team's using basically nine starters already in a season, nine, the average team. We had Perry, uh, uh, Perry Manassian. Perry Manassian. Angels, is he VP of, or is he just GM? He's the GM. Uh, by the way, we've used 11 starters this year already. We used 11 starters when we're in June. The, Perry Manassian went on SiriusXM. I, okay, it was a couple of years ago, and I'm working year. out. Huh? It was last year. It was last year. It was last year. I'm pretty no, sure. No, it was before. It was before the season. It wasn't during the season. Yeah, no, it was. It was before last season. I mean, it was 2022 going to 2022 season. I thought was it was that his first year. Was last year his first year on the gig? Uh, let me double check that. I'm not sure on that one. So Perry Manassian goes on Sirius XM. As I tell you, don't worry. I listen to all this stuff. You don't have to. He goes on and says our research shows that the average team will use 13 starting pitchers in a year. And the host, I don't remember which show he was on. The hosts were like, what? Really? And everybody was like, oh, yeah. Wasn't that long ago where the A's took on a Detroit Tigers team in the playoffs. It was either the 12 or 13 Tigers only used seven starters. I think back in the day, seven, eight starters, that's what people used. I think it was 2013. I'm looking up. By the way, I just did a comparison uh, with – who the A's are playing today, the Pirates. The Pirates have used six starting pitchers. So they're below the norm, but not By every way, team's there. Pirates are one of the top teams with A's starter wins. Where are the Pirates? Uh, they're winning. But they were one of the worst. It's crazy. They were one of the worst last year. And Mitch Keller is one of the worst they're pitchers in, in the league. first place. First time since June of 2013 they were in first place after June 1st. Uh, Codify Baseball had it last night on Twitter. Who are the top teams and pitchers wins? It's the Rays first place. Place. It's the Rangers' first place. It's the Pirates' first place. I know I'm getting on my high horse, but this whole Degrom thing has 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 started it. It's 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 this. I'm telling you, go look at the article USA Today. An, epi- an epidemic in our game about these injuries. It's just it's absolutely crazy, and it's not going to stop. And it's not going to stop. And that now it's it's like it's almost like you're insane to give a pitcher big money. How, how, I mean, what was the Rodon deal for the Yankees? Uh, let me find that one. It was was it one sixty somewhere like one sixty. Uh, by the way, it was. Tw- it was hasn't even pitched. We're 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 June. What's today? The fifth or the sixth? Today's the sixth. Us uh, D Day. Uh, six for one sixty two. Six for one sixty two. Degrom five for one eighty five, and Degrom gave you how many starts? Five or six. Uh, DeGrom this year had six starts. Six starts. Rodon zero. So let me go back to that number. Verlander, DeGrom, Rodon. Three pitchers signed for $436.6 million. $433.6 million. You're kind of looking up and there's half a billion. And they made 12 starts. DeGrom's made six also. Uh, they made Ver- 12 Verlander. starts Verlander. for 60. They've made 12 starts for 66 and a third innings. Zero starts from Rodon, six starts from DeGrom. Boom. If we don't see this as a major problem, I'll let you know I sent this article this morning to uh, Scott Emerson. And I know Scott Emerson, great pitching coach for the Oakland Athletics. We talk about it all the time. This is is some scary stuff. Now, we do have to get in some positives. Uh, one of the positives, Luis arrived. 
I, I am having a lot of fun with this because for me, seeing a guy do what he's doing, hitting 399 right now, the last qualified player with a batting average at 400 or better this late in the season, you got to go back to Chipper Jones in 2008. Chipper Jones. I mean, I, I, I was I was sending Cody all these different uh, things about Tony Gwynn. This is probably what we are seeing, the first guy that sniffs Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn was amazing. When you look at the last 30 regular seasons to have at least seven times more base hits than strikeouts, Tony Gwynn didn't strike out. They, they, I, I was somewhere on Instagram where somebody was interviewing John Smoltz. Smoltz said between Maddox, Smoltz, and Pedro Martinez, between the three of the Hall of Famers, they only struck him out twice. So we're talking about thirty last 30 regular seasons, at least seven times more base hits than strikeouts. Tony Gwynn in 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. And the Weiss Arise 2023 so far this year. That is amazing. That's some guy I want to talk. This is a great story. Also a great story, the Pirates. We'll raise the Jolly Roger next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Ace Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. Yeah, Greg Brown is the voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates and the famous call, Raise the Jolly Roger. I got to say, my friend, you've been raising a lot of Jolly Roger this season. It's got to be a lot of fun. Uh, way more fun, Chris, when you win, of course. And uh, I don't know if I've talked to you in the past about Raise the Jolly Roger, but uh, I've told the story that uh, started using it, I think, toward the end of maybe uh, very last year or so of Three River Stadium. So we, this place opened up PNC Park uh, in 2001, and the losing continued 2001 until they, they started to get pretty good in 2011 and 12 is when they really turned. In fact, I was looking at 2010, looking at the, the A's road record, the, the Pirates won something like maybe 20 road games, uh, 105-loss season. And so uh, we've been there. But the point is that uh, around 2011, 2012, they started to turn the corner, then went to the postseason, 13, 14, 15. Only then did people actually even know that that, that was the, the call I used. So I, And they go, wow, what a, what a cool call. And I said, you know, I've been doing yeah. this for about 20 years. So anyway, when the, when we started to win, that's when people started to take notice. Well, I you, know, you said 2001. It makes me think back to what was then Pac Bell Park. I was on the Giant Station doing the morning show, and we opened that stadium, 
The very first ever official game was opening day against the Dodgers and Kevin Elster hit three home runs. Oh and it was, gosh. it was, it was wild. And to think back, it doesn't seem like that long ago that a place like PNC park or Pac Bell park, now Oracle park opened up these unbelievable, great stadiums. And we see the view behind you. I just, I, I don't want to feel old. It just, huh, you it don't like PNC park has been around that long. You don't want to feel old. No. I mean, come on. I, I, uh, yeah, I've, I was around at Three River Stadium and now here. And uh, it is hard to believe, though, 2001. But it, that view just never, get, never gets old. Uh, anybody that, uh, that, that, that we bring up, to maybe give a, a tour of the radio and TV booths, whether it be a client, friend, fan, uh, without fail, they walk in there, their jaw drops because yeah. of the spectacular view. I've, I've said over the years, and it's something that we should never take for granted, and I'm, I'm not suggesting you are or that, that you, you would, uh, but I have to remind myself that oftentimes, especially during the bad times when the team uh, has struggled. And it had been a lot of years. Way more often we have struggled than uh, when we have won. But uh, you, you really do have to almost pinch yourself and, and take a look at that view. I've said forever Chris, that it, it's so uh, so unreal. It really does look like a postcard, and it looks like you could reach around and just grab the the skyscrapers and hug them. It, it, they look that close; they're just right on you. It's just it's a perfect setting for a baseball park. Yeah, when Cody first put the camera up and we could see it, it was like, this is like a painting. Yeah. It's like a picture. It's like you can't believe. I mean, if there was ever a park and a design and construction that got it absolutely right, it's there in Pitt, Pittsburgh. And I said this to Derek Shelton yesterday, you know, seeing having our cameras from that perspective made me realize, my God, that home run into the Allegheny River, that is a huge home run. Yeah, it's a poke. It's uh, now there have been a lot of balls that have bounced onto the river walk into the river. They keep track of that, but they also keep track of those that just go on the fly, and that's less than a dozen. I want to say there have been nine. Maybe maybe they, that's a stretch wow. um, all time. And I remember when this place opened up uh, vividly when we came out of spring training in 2001. So it had been you know a couple of months. Uh, when I had left this place, and, and the, the, they, they hadn't put all the seats in, and it, it was t certainly taking shape, but uh, flew in to Pittsburgh Airport, bust to the brand new ballpark. Players get off the buses. I'm, you know, with the players and stuff. The team traveling party, go into the clubhouse, you know, get gather some things, but then walking out onto the field from the tunnel from the clubhouse through the dugout steps, and just watching the player reactions. It was something I will never forget. And I remember asking Brian Giles early on that 2001 season, uh, who was a, a left-handed power hitter, and I said, you know, 320 feet to right field, that's an easy poke for you, isn't it? And he goes, do you have any idea how hard it is to hit a ball 320 feet, but then get enough lift on it? This was before, of course, exit velos and launch angles. Uh, 21-foot-high wall, which is, of course, a tribute to uh, Roberto Clemente. That wall in right field is 21 feet high. And, uh, and, it, and it, it's so true because I watched left-handed hitters over the years try and get that lift even to this day, and it's just not that easy. So to 
to uh, try and hit balls, not that you're trying to now hit balls into the river, but to be able to do that is quite a feat. When I think about Pittsburgh and sports history, and obviously the Steelers are one of the great American sports franchises with all their championships and great players. I uh, think about the run with the Penguins, and they've had such great players, some of the best in the history of the National Hockey League. And then I think of the Pirates, some of the great Pirate teams, as you are just mentioning, Roberto Clemente. When I'm growing up, I'm thinking you know, about Willie Stargell and Dave Parker and Bill Madlock and Kent Colby and those guys. Uh, and then here comes Bonds and Benny in sight. There's always been such great tradition. What does it mean for this city heading into summer? Things have sought, thought out. You've gotten through the spring, starting to get warm, starting to get humid and the Pittsburgh Pirates are in first place. To be relevant at this stage is uh, almost unbelievable. It is the last time they were within a game or two of first place, let alone in first place, uh, was 2013. It's been 10 years since they even sniffed the top of the division. So uh, it's so much fun to for this team to be relevant because the talk shows around here Chris by this time and this is fact based I'm telling you right now uh, they don't talk pirates baseball even in June in May they don't they talk penguin hockey now the penguins got eliminated they didn't even reach the playoffs uh, they'll talk NFL draft they'll talk Steeler mini camp they'll talk NFL draft anything but pirates baseball they just, again, they have not been on, on the radar screen of, of, frankly, pirate fans, but certainly uh, media. But now the pirates are forcing the, the, the uh, pundits and, uh, and the writing and the uh, electronic press uh, and, and, again, talk show hosts and so on to talk Pittsburgh Pirates. And there is a buzz. You know, last night that crowd wasn't great. It was about 12,000, but I can promise you, uh, if this had taken place a year ago and the Pirates hosted almost any team, not just the fact that the A's aren't playing well. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. No, it's really – and I'll tell We're you – We're used to it at this I, point. I've got I to tell you, uh, I, I've talked to announcers over the years, um, and they have come – without fail, they'll come into the radio booth here or the TV booth or on the road – was in Colorado and talked it, and everybody means well, but they'll come in and one of the guys walked in uh, maybe between innings, and I think we were beating the Rockies pretty good. We swept that series. And I did one of the color analysts said uh, to to me, and I, don't, I forget whether I was working with Neil Walker, but, oh, my gosh, you know, what are we going to talk about? We're getting beat in the third inning. What are we going to do? And I put my hand up. I go, get out of this booth. Go talk to somebody that, hasn't been through you know for me this is my 30th year and so for the first 29 years chris 25 of the 29 years have been losing seasons so you know don't talk to me don't cry on my shoulder and no sympathy here but i will say having that knowledge and that background i can sympathize with the a's and i will not uh you know uh rip on them i won't i won't uh take any uh cheap shots because i know how i know how hard it is to win i know how tough it is to go through losing seasons and watching a tough team it's not easy uh winning in professional sports is very very difficult and and baseball is one of the most toughest sports to play so 
I, I feel for uh, the A's and, and their fans. Well, I'll tell you what. Somebody said this to me over at NBC when I'm doing the uh, pre- and post-game show over there on television where they're like, oh, man, I don't know how you're doing it this year. And I said, hey, listen, it's easy to do winning seasons when we've been winning in the playoffs, and the A's have been to the playoffs a lot. When you think 12, 13, 14, 18, 19, 20, no one should feel sorry for us because we – and then you go back to the early 2000s. We've been to the playoffs a lot since the year 2000. But where your true mark is a professional is if you can produce great content in a losing season. Well, And that's what I try. Cody, who's there in the booth with you, yep. everybody, I try and say, hey, we can do stuff when, you know, when the Giants have been winning World Series in our neighborhood, everything's easy. Well, how do you do it when you're not winning? And, and we're, that's what we're doing here. And you had to do, I mean, the Pirates, we're talking 20 years straight of going under 500. That's tough to do. You can put, when you're winning in sports, you could put a f- fifth grader uh, in the booth, put a headset on him or her. Uh, you could put a, a dog on a dog, a puppy, uh, on a, put a headset. It doesn't matter because when you win, everything works. And, uh, and uh, it's so much easier. You really do earn your money. And, and to a degree, in a warped sense, uh, in fact, I was talking to Vince Catronio about this uh, yesterday. In a warped sense, there's there's something kind of neat about working to try and keep an audience as you prepare for a Major League Baseball game in losing seasons. Uh, it's it's a challenge, uh, but, it, but it sure makes it worthwhile after a ball game. You say to yourself, you know, we we lost. It was a good game. I I think I did well. You could critique, critique yourself when you win. This is true, Chris. It's been like this for now 30 years for me, and people mean well. And I'm telling you, when we lost 100, game, uh, 100 uh, games uh, a year, we would lose a couple of times. Um, we lost back-to-back, 100 lost seasons, so on. Uh, but without fail, you'll have in a 162-game baseball schedule, you'll have stretches where you win some ball games. You win five or six, five, even though you end up losing 100 games. And during those stretches, people, and they mean well, and they're sincere, they come up to me and they'll go, my gosh, you sound great. I love listening to you. I, you know, you, you've never sounded better. And I, I say, thank you very much. And I walk away and I kind of chuckle to myself. And in 13, 14, 15, when the Pirates went to the playoffs, I can't tell you how many people came up to me all over the place. Gosh, darn, you sound good, man. I love you. You're a great announcer. Yep, great announcer. Take a look at the record. The best announcers are the ones that have winning teams. So, uh it's a, it's it's you know it, it humbles you. Uh, I I I enjoy it whether they win or lose, but it's a, it's a whole lot more fun when they win. Oh, your calls on MLB Network on Quick Pitch when they replay it at night. Oh, your calls are the best. Oh yeah, when you're winning, absolutely. It's funny. <laughs> you know what's true about this is is when when your team loses, those calls don't don't make it. It's only when your team wins that those those calls make it, especially locally, like on our radio station or whatnot. The team loses, you know, they're out of the race. You know, boy, when they when they're winning, they're exciting games, exciting plays. Sure, they're going to play those calls, but it's the players and it's the game that makes those calls. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we had Derek Shelton on yesterday, and we got to meet him this past year down in San Diego at the winter meetings. You know, people over the years have tried to downplay leadership. They tried to downplay the manager. It's all about the front office. It's all about the numbers. 
I got to tell you, you, you find me a team that's coming out of the darkness and into the light, and I'll show you the guy as I say, somebody has to be at the front of the plane. Somebody has to be at the front of the bus. Somebody has to deal with the players. Somebody has to deal with the egos. Somebody has to deal with the issues off the field. Somebody has to be the guy that kicks them in the butt, pats them on the back, has to be a father figure. Somebody's got to be the manager. I'll show you a team coming out of the darkness to the light, and I'll show you a good manager. Derek Shelton is that. Talk about the guy who's your skipper. Well, you know, I've been through a lot of them, a lot of managers. I've, I've, I've done uh, other sports uh, over the years, uh, pro and college. Marv Levy was pretty good back in the you day. Know, Marv's one of my favorites of all time, and uh, he really is. And, and he took a lot of grief, but, boy, he was steady. And what I find, and this is just me personally, the best – managers coaches managers of people are the ones win or lose and especially it's true in baseball because it's every single day when you walk into that clubhouse or in an office you don't know whether the night before the team won in walk-off fashion came from behind won an exciting game or whether the team just lost their 12th in a row you don't know by the attitude of that manager and Derek Shelton is able to do that and that cannot be easy because all the things you talked about all the stuff that's on their plate, meeting with media every single day before and after every single game, uh, all the people, you know, that manager's office door, if you just watch it, there are people going in and out of that door all day long. All the, It's constant. People, you know, when I do the pregame show with them, 10 minutes, close the door. There's a window there. There's always someone waiting now to follow open the door somebody comes in i'm always waiting to go in somebody comes out i go in it's constant and uh and he's great at it uh jim leland of course i was around with jim leland he was tremendous at it a great people great people skills uh and 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 as you say somebody who can lead through the hard times someone who doesn't get down someone who's able to you know i think he really he took a, a big time bullet a couple years ago you'll remember the play when our first baseman against the Chicago Cubs with a runner at third uh, takes a ground ball and all he has to do is tag Javi Baez, who hit the ball, and he gets caught up in the moment, the first baseman. And Baez starts backpedaling toward home, and our first baseman starts kind of following him to home plate. All of a sudden, I think it was Wilson Contreras, I believe it was, is now he had had been at second base. Well, he just continues to run. And now he's headed for home plate, and our first baseman gets confused, and our catcher is kind of going, like, give me the ball, because the guy is now going to score from third. So he throws him the ball, and the the, the Cub, I think it's Contreras, slides in safe. And now, you know, all heck breaks loose, because Baez takes off for first. The ball is thrown into right field. The right fielder takes the ball, throws it to second. Ball gets away. Third baseman. And it was complete mayhem and chaos. The next day... The, the press conference, uh, and that night, Shelton said, you know what, that was my fault. He took a, he goes, you know, my fault because I should have let them know the situation. I mean, he tried to defuse, he tried to take away, he goes, the guy knows he made the mistake, it'll be, you know, it's addressed, it's a once-in-a-lifetime play, everybody got caught up in the moment, but man, he, he truly showed his true colors there, I thought. Yeah, leadership, it yep. means a lot. Somebody's, somebody's got to be at the front of the bus. Somebody's got to be at the front of the plane. You got to have the right leader. And if you don't, you know, we love Mark Kotze and also uh, love Bob Melvin. Got to see it with Bob Melvin 
for a few years. We always got to talk a little football since we brought up Marv Levy and we got to go back to your Buffalo Bills days. Isn't it amazing? You know, Bill Walsh and the San Francisco 49ers are always going to get credit for the West Coast offense. Walsh learned a lot of his offense from the great Paul Brown in Cincinnati. But the K-Gun offense in Buffalo that led, led by the great Jim Kelly, Hall of Famer, and got to the Bills, and Frank Reich was uh, as a backup was great, um, got them to four straight Super Bowls. There are so many offenses out there when you look at West Coast or the K-Gun that we see in the NFL today. No one ever, ever, no one ever goes, you know, I've seen that before with Jim Kelly back in the day in the K-Gun offense. A lot of what a lot of what happens now in the NFL was happening back when you were covering the Bills. And I think a lot of that has to do with, the, without disrespecting Bill Walsh, because I didn't know him at all. But I do know Marv Levy, and he was so humble. Like, he, he wasn't looking for his name or the K-Gun offense to uh, – be uh, something that is uh, talked about to this day. He was, wasn't looking for his legacy. He was looking for what was best for the Buffalo Bills at the time. And uh, so humble and downplayed everything. And uh, so, again, not looking to make a name for himself, which which he would have done had he promoted the K-Gun as his invention. Um, it was not just Marv. It was others. Jim Kelly was very much involved in, in the design of that. Um, so, but you're right. It's kind of comical that, that we still to this day hear about the West Coast offense, but we don't hear much about the K-Gun. Uh, and it was uh, revolutionary. And, and uh, it, it changed offenses. Uh, you know, every once in a while that, that no huddle will come back. Uh, some teams still kind of use it, but that was the first time that it was used full time, the no huddle and the K-Gun. And I, I, I credit Marv. Ted Marchabrota was the offensive coordinator, so he, he another humble guy. Uh, but, but working and, and not having the big egos, not afraid to allow Jim Kelly and other players to get involved and say, hey, you know, this could work. We let, you know, Bills let Jim Kelly call his own plays. And uh, I just, I think the world of Marv, I, th- I think the world of that organization at that time, and, uh, you know, it, it'll, that legacy will live on. The, the fact that they went to four straight Super Bowls, I don't know that that'll ever be done ever again. Well, we know you got pregame show stuff to do. We always appreciate the time. And I just want you to know that after I get done with every broadcast and whether I'm getting home from the Coliseum or I'm here in my home studio and I go inside and I watch Quick Pitch, which is the highlight show on MLB Network after all the games are done, I get a great smile when I hear Raise the Jolly <laughs> Roger. And I think of you every time. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I, that, that makes me smile. So, Chris, thanks, man. And, and, and uh, it, it makes me smile because I know that, that, that it, it, it's meaningful to you. It's meaningful to a lot of fans. And uh, it's, it, it's kind of the perfect ending. It, it's, uh, it, it works. It, it really works. And uh, it, it's, it's kind of made its way around the world. I get uh, tweets from people, of pictures of, of they'll see the Jolly Roger uh, heck, I got one last year. Some guy's like traveling in, uh, in, in Italy, and he saw one in Venice. And uh, he's like on a gondola, and he takes a picture of it. And he sends it to me. So it, it's uh, it really cool that uh, everybody can kind of unite around it. Well, it, it, uh, the fact that you've come on our show many times means a lot to us. You know what a big Pirates fan Cody is, and we talk a lot of Pirates baseball here, and it's great that you guys are winning. So have a great call tonight, and let's talk later on during the season. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Appreciate it. Great talking to you.
one of the great voices in all of our game, no question about it. As you right there, 30 years going back to Three Rivers Stadium, 30 years play by play voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Rays, that's the man. If you're watching MLB Network, you're watching any of the highlight shows, and they bring up Rays the Jolly Roger, that's the guy. That's a lot of fun. Good for them. Now you're happy for them. They've won a lot of close games. They've won six straight. Uh, Pirates win tonight. They tie a season high, seven-game winning streak. Last three of their wins are, are, are by one run. I mean, the Pirates, you know, last night they walked 10 times. On the season, Pittsburgh's 9.5% walk rate trails only the Padres, Dodgers, and the Cubs in Major League Baseball. I I still, I don't even know if I want to get into it. I, I still, last night's games, I, you know what? I'll say this. I've got the compete meter for June. Do you know what the compete meter's at? Uh, not high, not good. Two and two. They're two and two. They competed last night. That was a competitive game. Yeah, okay. All right, that's fair. 5-4. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking for anything. I'm asking, give me a competitive effort. We're going to have a compete meter, and what's the record? And according to the compete meter, which is my eyesight, they're two and two. I still trying to figure out. How, if you know that an umpire has a tight strike zone and an inconsistent strike zone, that you're going to bring in Fuji in this game. I I just, I don't know. How do you think that's going to work out well? I I was out in, uh, here, I'll show you on the camera here. I was out in left field um, by where the scoreboard is. And... What's below the scoreboard? Uh, there's a bunch of seats, and then there's, like, bathrooms, and I think the Pirates, the pirate shop is back there. But to the right of it, if you're looking straight at it, to the right is Fatheads, which is a bar. We were standing right there watching the game by the dugout. So in behind the, in behind the, the back green, what, the hitter's eye? Yeah. And the scoreboard right there looks like there's a tent there. That's a bar? It's a bar. It's called Fatheads. And actually right behind the, the big green monster there where it says Pirates in the out, in center field is Manny's Barbecue for the great Manny Sanguian. But – Fatheads was a bar, and I'm standing there, and there's seats to sit, so you got people, Pirate fans, heckling the A's bullpen, and they were getting on Fuji and everyone else, like fans do. But as soon as I saw Fuji coming, I'm like, we're, like Fuji's coming in in the game right now? Uh, I couldn't believe it. I was on my couch. I was like, you've got to be kidding. I mean, if there's ever a time you're not going to bring in a guy that's inconsistent with an inconsistent, with an inconsistent umpire and a tight strike zone, that combination and Fuji don't go together. No. Now, now here's the thing, and I tried to talk about it in the postgame last night, and it's just a reality. Two things. One, we don't know who's available. We don't know. We can sit here and say, well, why doesn't he pitch so-and-so? Well, we don't know who's available. I learned that over the years with Bob Melvin, and Melvin would bring me in, and he'd go, listen, Blank, 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 couldn't throw today. And I'd be like, why? Yeah, it's just the way it is. So Melvin would never go out, and Kotze's the same way, and all managers, they're not going to go out in the pregame show and say, hey, everybody, let me tell you who can't play today just so the other team can know. Let me tell you 
of the guys I have in the bullpen, this guy, this guy, this guy can't throw. Uh, they don't do that because they want the other dugout to see all the names. If you see, if you see in a dugout that's up on the wall, the entire team, the starters and everything, and then you see how they cross everybody off, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. When they pan, they pan the cameras into the dugout and they'll show a manager's car, and then they've got all their notes. So they don't know who's healthy and who's not on the other team and who can go and who can't. We don't know that. So maybe Fuji's all you got. Just a reality. Number two is I'm going to have to suck it up. And I realize that, and I mentioned it last night. And the reason why I say last night is because if you didn't listen, I'm giving it to you here. I want you to hear it from me. I'm going to have to suck it up that certain guys are going to have to play. Certain guys are going to have to play because what time is Martin Gallegos? Uh, Martin will be here in a couple minutes. He's joining me in the booth too. So, Okay, so quickly, we're going to have to suck it up because some of these guys, we need to play them so we can trade them. That's the bottom line. People are going to get desperate, and I know it seems crazy, like why would you trade for our guys? People are going to be desperate. For instance, an outfielder gets out, and it scares me that Ramon Laureano is not in the lineup again today. Why is that? It's a great question. I don't know either. Martin might know. Well, you are there, by the way. I mean, you are boots on the ground. I know, but I haven't heard anything. That's why I said maybe I, haven't get, I didn't get a chance to see anything. Like, you need to go down and ask Katze. You're in the bar with him last night. Go down and say, <laughs> hey, why is he not playing? Uh, uh, do your job as a reporter with boots on the ground. Um, but that's the whole point. Like, if, if a team has an outfielder that gets hurt, you bet someone's going to call the A's for Ramon Laureano because it'll be a cheat. But we got to move these guys for something. You just don't want to just get rid of them. So I have to understand there's the business of baseball and got to figure out how how do you get some of these guys going because you got to move some of them. Before the young guys come up, you, you, you either got to dump them or trade them. And I'd rather trade them for something because you never know what something can be in our business. It's just how it works. We'll talk about that and much, much more. Martin Gallegos, MLB.com, with us next from PNC Park. Show the picture one more time. Look at this joint. All right, hold on one second. Okay. Well, wrong thing. There you go. Is that amazing or what? Martin Gallegos next, right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the A's Road Studio, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. That's right. It's a special edition of A's Cast Live. Why? Well, it's always special. But we're also at PNC Park as the commander is there. And look who he has lined up. Martin Gallegos with the beautiful skyline of Pittsburgh behind him. I got to tell you, we've been ranting and raving. This view is unreal, by far the best in baseball. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, it's my first time here. I had very high expectations. Obviously, seen it on TV and seen the, the pictures, but to actually experience it in person, 
uh, it's been remarkable. It's, it's definitely up there with, you know, if not number one, 1A as, you know, the best ballpark in baseball for sure. Can I, you know, I've told you what a great reporter and writer you are, right? <laughs> uh, a couple times, yeah. Well, the fact that, yeah, you, you promoted Ace Cast Live uh, and Ace Cast the other day, I appreciate that. And I thought it was interesting. And, and you you obviously listened, thought the same thing. It's like, yeah, you got some guys in double-A that can play. And at some point, guys are going to come up from triple-A. Is it time for the A's? We've seen other teams do it this year. Is it time to start thinking about double-A guys skipping triple-A because knowing what a joke triple-A is and coming straight to the big leagues? Yeah, I mean, what, what David said, you know, is very interesting. I mean, and we've all, we always talked about it, you know, it's hard to judge these guys who are at AAA performing well. You know, these guys are, are out there, you know, hitting bombs and, and hitting over 300. And they come up to the big leagues and, and they're struggling. They're struggling. It's a, it's a completely different dynamic moving from Las Vegas ballpark over to, you know, the Coliseum and, and the, the other many spacious, uh, you know, ballparks that are in the majors, it kind of plays a little bit more even for them. And it's hard to translate that success. Whereas at double A, I think it's a little bit more fair. And, um, you know, we always hear about the the best pitching prospects are always at double A, right? And so these hitters that are down there, guys like Lawrence Butler, Daryl Hernandez, Denzel Clark, uh, you know, Brett Harris, these guys are facing the best of the best in terms of pitching prospects. And to be having success down there for a team that's obviously rebuilding right now and, and going through a, a miserable start to the season, at this point, you know, why not consider bringing those guys up? And I know those, you know, David Force mentioned on the, on your show that, you know, those conversations have been discussed. And I'm sure, you know, as, as we go along here and, and, you know, we start getting into June, um, you know, it's only going to heat up a little bit more. These guys are performing. They're, they're hitting uh, well down there, doing everything that they've been asked to do. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see some guys, you know, straight from AA to come up here. I know there's guys at AAA who are knocking on the door as well, but AA's got a lot of really good prospects who seem to be, um, you know, making their case to, to come up here at some point. All right, every sport, the broadcasters and the reporters talk in cliches. They've got the same statements that they say, the same critiques, that same it's the same stuff regurgitated over and over. Well, this is the big league level. Well, it's a big league level. Well, uh, Jason Stark has come out with an article in The Athletic about the amount of pitchers that are being used, the amount of starters every team has used, the amount of pitchers. So I don't even know what the big league level is when you talk about all these guys getting hurt, now DeGrom going out. But so many teams are having to use so many different pitchers. And when you say, oh, a guy's in double A, you know, he hasn't seen big league pitching. Well, maybe he has because we're having to use so many triple A and double A guys now. I don't even know what big league pitching is because we're having to use so many different guys. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I mean, we see all, uh, all across the league, we're seeing guys getting called up, you know, they, they just got drafted like last year. I mean, it, that's out yeah. the window now in, in terms of, you know, reaching a certain pitch limit or, or a bat limit. That's not really a formula that teams follow anymore. That, that's kind of, you know, the old school way of thinking. Um, we saw it with Mason Miller this year. Mason Miller, Mason Miller came up, he had like, what, 20 innings of, of minor league ball. So, um, you know, the A's, are, they've shown with, with that situation that they're not afraid to call a guy up if, if you know, they need help. And obviously, I mean, we've seen the way the state of this bullpen, the state of this rotation, it's been a revolving door of guys. And um, they haven't really been able to settle, you know, find, you know, guys who are reliable to pitch for you every fifth day outside of maybe J.P. Sears. And you hope Paul Blackburn can be another one of those guys who just came up. But, um, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no guys at the big league level for the A's that are blocking, you know, a guy from double-A or triple-A you know, from coming up, if they're if they're performing well down there, there's no reason that they should be down there, you know, for a whole season. 
You know, everybody is talking about the season for Ruiz. I got to talk about my guy, Noda, who had another big night last night, base hit in the first, walk and scored in the third, walked in the fifth, double in the ninth. Right now, he's on pace to get 102 walks. Uh, that is pretty impressive. When you think about that type of season, his on-base, we're watching Noda grow. I, I guess the only critique, and you don't want to – I mean, he's got a great eye. You don't want him to lose that. Just maybe sometimes be a little bit more aggressive. But now that you've gotten to watch him through all these games, you're now talking 62 games. What are your impressions of Ryan Noda and how good do you think he can be? Yeah, you know, he's talked about that himself, just kind of trying to find that balance of, of you know, he's – you know, at, at heart, he's a guy who's going to be patient at the plate. But, you know, there are times to get a little bit more aggressive. I think that's something he's still working out at the big league level. But so far, I mean, Townie, you always make the joke about the money ball joke about he sounds like an Oakland A already. It, I mean, he's prototypical Oakland A. I mean, a guy who gets on base a ton, um, can hit a, hit a bomb every now and then. Uh, you want to see the power show up a little bit more. It's shown up in spurts. Um, he's still looking to kind of find that power stroke at the big league level. But um, there's been a lot to like for sure. I think outside of, you know, him and Ruiz, you know, as far as, you know, talk about newcomers and hope for the kind of the future guys who you can, you know, who will be part of successful A's teams in the, in the you know, coming seasons. Those are two names right there. Ryan Noda, I think, every day at first base. I mean, we saw, you know, with Jesus Aguilar getting DFA'd, that kind of sent the message that, hey, we believe in Ryan Noda. We think he can be a guy who can play for us every day against lefties and righties, and he's getting that opportunity right now. And, you know, I, I just – every time he comes up to the plate, you always expect him to work like a seven, eight, nine pitch at bat. It's never like just, you know, go up there and swing at three pitches and strike out. He's going to make a pitcher work, and that's always valuable to have a guy like that at the top of the lineup. And with him and him and Ruiz there, one and two, that's a pretty nice – little combo there um, that they've got forming there so far. I mean, uh, just just yesterday's first inning was like, this is the if this is the future, I'm so on board, is you got Ruiz get on on a catcher's interference, so he gets on base. Steals second, no to base hit, brings him in. Was that like like the perfect way yeah. to start a game? Like, this is the future, these two guys. For sure, yeah, that's how you draw it up. You know, those two guys, you know, get on, and, and Ryan Noda can – can drive a ball to the gap somewhere. He doesn't even have to drive it very far because we all, all we all know how fast Ruiz is. Just, you know, get a hit, and Ruiz is going to, you know, find his way, you know, circling the bases at some point. Now, we, we, we talked about there's going to be – we're going to look at Ruiz, Noda, Langoliers, I would say Allen. Allen's now being sent down for Kevin Smith. I know we haven't talked about that yet today. But the young guys we're really going to look at, and that's really who we care the most about. But when you start to talk about some of the veteran guys, it becomes a whole different thing. But one more thing on Ruiz. Tell me what you love and tell me what you think he really needs to work on. I mean, I think I love just the energy that he brings. You know, the, the speed obviously is, is an exciting thing to watch on the bases. And he also, you know, puts the ball in play a lot. He won't strike out a ton. He goes through little stretches here and there where he doesn't get a hit. But he, he generally puts the ball in play and takes advantage of his speed. You know, He can hit. There's yeah. no question. He can hit. Yeah, for sure. As far as things, you know, that's still to work on, I think a lot of that lies in his defense. Um, you know, he's kind of a quiet guy out there. Kotze has talked about that. For a center fielder, you got to kind of take command and, and patrol that outfield and be the leader out there. I think he's, you know, I think naturally kind of a shy guy, so he's still kind of trying to break out of that shell. But I think you got to be a little bit more, uh, you know, aggressive out there. But, um, you know, he's certainly got the range. I mean, we see the speed that he has out there. It translates in, in terms of range. He's able to track down a lot of balls. I mean, he's had some spectacular plays already this season. But he's also had a couple of plays out there where it's, you know, defensive miscues where it's like, 
you know, this guy's still learning to be a center fielder. Not long ago, he was still a second baseman, so he doesn't have a ton of time out there in center field, but, you know, he's playing every day, and he's getting an opportunity to kind of groom himself, and I think it's a positive to have Mark Kotze, you know, a former center fielder as his manager who goes up to him, you know, almost every day after games and kind of talks to him about things that he likes and things that he can improve on. What's going on with Ramon Laureano right now? So apparently he had some visa issues um, that, you know, he had to go fix. I guess the visa expired, um, and he had to go to the Dominican Republic in order to resolve it on Sunday. So he flew out after that Marlins game, and he's been gone these last two days. He's expected to land today, not before first pitch, but he'll be here at some point tonight. I don't know if he'll be available off the bench. I think Kotze was still a little bit unsure of that. But he sounds like he's going to be back here today. But, you know, some, some visa issues, I guess. That, that's all they, they left it at. But um, I guess, the good thing is he's back. He's going to be back today, and he should be in the lineup tomorrow for sure. Yeah, because it's a little shocking, right, when you didn't see him in the lineup? Yeah, you know, and I had noticed, you know, I hadn't seen him at all in the clubhouse, so I, you know, figured something was up, but, you know, luckily it's not something where, you know, he's going to be out for a long time because it seemed like he had a decent series in Miami as well, so it's kind of, they could have used him last night, you know, off the bench for sure in those situations where they needed a pinch hitter. I mean, he's arguably defensively the best right fielder, defensively, and if you can just get his back going, I look at him as, you know, there's going to be a lot of buyers, not a lot of sellers, so that's good news for the sellers. A's are a seller. I mean, especially if there's an injury somewhere, I'd be calling the A's about Ramon Laureano who has playoff experience. So it's like the A's, you know, some of these veteran guys, as much as I want to see the young guys, I do understand the business of baseball, and you tell me. It's like they got to get some of these veteran guys hot so they can actually move them so they can at least get something for them. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely, especially with a guy like Laureano. I think there's a lot of teams that are, you know, looking at him and kind of, you know, wondering, you know, is this guy, you know, what what is he, you know, at, at this point? We know the defense is really good, but can his bat get back to, you know, some semblance of what it was, you know, a few years back? Um, we haven't really seen that. Um, like I said, he did have a, a decent series in, in Miami, and, and generally the yeah, bats do seem to, you know, be a little better the past couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, once he comes back here, he'll get a chance to play every day again. Um, but, yeah, he's a guy, you know, Letimus Diaz is another guy who I think, you know, the A's kind of have to balance – you know, do we want to play Kevin Smith every single day at shortstop, or do we want to find a way to get Aledmus Diaz in there and maybe he starts to hit, you know, well and, and he becomes a, p a potential trade candidate as well? You know, guys like Jace Peterson, those veteran guys, you got to find a way to get them in there to tr try to, you know, I guess, you know, showcase if that's the right word to put it. But, um, you know, those are, you know, if they can start performing a little bit well here before the trade deadline, those are guys who definitely, I mean, veteran guys who have been there before attractive pieces to teams that are looking for, you know, some depth at the deadline. Well, if you think 12 and 50s weighing on me, or if you think 12 and 50s weighing on you, and if you think 12 and 50 is wearing on the players, I don't think anybody is getting more worn out than the coaching staff. These guys, Mark Kotze's not sleeping. Mark Kotze is miserable. This coaching staff is miserable. I mean, it's a brutal, brutal season, but the players still get paid. They're still playing. They're still they're still living a very good life. Just how do you think this coaching staff is holding up right now? Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I give Kotze a lot of credit, man, because, uh, you know, the way this year has gone, even the way last year went, and, and as far as, you know, what we've seen as, as media members, he's never once, you know, lashed out at us or, you know, you know gotten smart with us or anything. He's handled all this very well i know behind closed doors it's it's, it's like you said it's eating at him and, and he probably can't sleep a lot of nights especially a game like last night where i mean he, he basically said it you know he didn't want to say they gave the game away but 
there were so many opportunities there to win that. They should have won that game. Bottom line, they should have won that game. There were so many missed chances there, so many just kind of fundamental mistakes. And that, I think that's what kills them the most is, is seeing a game where, you know, the, there's a possibility to win it. I mean, we know how rare those are these, you know, this season. And when you lose it because of fundamental stuff, it's one thing to just be outplayed, outmatched. You know, that's going to happen most nights. But, you know, when you can win a game and you don't because of fundamental mistakes, fundamental errors, those are things that, you know, these guys kind of, you know, harp on guys every day. And, and when, when they're not able to perform that on a given day, it, it's it's demoralizing, you know, for, for a coaching staff. And, um, you know, but Katsai's done a great job of, of just keeping not only his spirits up, but the player spirits up, the coaching staff spirits up as well. So, like I said, I give him a lot of credit for, for navigating through this, you know, tough situation that's been going on with this team here, not only this season, but last season as well. All right, we got to get to pregame, but I know you went over to the Roberto Clemente Museum. How cool was that in Pittsburgh? Yeah, that was awesome. I, I didn't even know that place existed. Uh, you know, Mark Ling, the A's PR director, uh, invited me, and, uh, you know, it was really awesome. Some some of the A's broadcasters were there. Uh, D- Dallas Braden was there. Ryan Noda was there, and I, he had a blast there too. You know, just got to hold a bat from, from Roberto Clemente um, that was in there, and, and just all the memorabilia that was there. Um, it's, it's three stories, and it's just full of just artifacts. And, and, the, and the tour guide, Dwayne Reeder, I believe his name, who, who founded the museum, just incredible knowledge of, of uh, the Clemente family. I think he, he knows most of the Clemente family members and um, everything that he's got in there. There's a, there's a shop in there. There's a wine cellar in there. It's incredible. So any, wow. any baseball fan, any baseball fan who, who finds yourself in Pittsburgh one of these days, go out there. It's only nine minutes, I think, from here driving. So... Um, it, it was something that I'll never forget for sure. Um, my first time in Pittsburgh and to be able to go there and, and learn, you know, I knew a little bit about, you know, obviously, you know, the history of Roberto Clemente, but the amount of knowledge that he, he you know, dished out on us was incredible. And so it was really awesome. And I, I recommend it for anybody. I'd love to go back myself yeah. one day. Yeah, you talked to talk to Dave Stewart about it. With all the great things that Stu did in his career, World Series, all that kind of stuff, he'll still tell you winning the Roberto Clemente Award, the biggest thing that ever happened to him in his career, means a lot. And, I, I yeah, I, I would love to go to that museum. But there's only one problem. We'll end on this. There's only one problem with PNC Park. You want to know what that problem is? What? It's in Pittsburgh. <laughs> it is kind of hard to get here. There, there's no direct flights anywhere, it sounds like, so. <laughs> In the end, it's Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> great stuff, my friend. Be well, and uh, next time I see you, we'll be back at the Coliseum. All right, sounds good, Tony. Thanks. Martin Gallegos, who does a great job. Oh, quick, get him back. One more question. Can we get him back? One more question. What was that? Sorry, sorry. You're kind of in the same boat we are. With all the stadium and all that, it's not easy, just to let people know. It's not easy to be like, hey, listen, we got to cover this team. These All these other people, they can deal with the stadium stuff. Just for us who have to cover the baseball team, it's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? It's a grind, especially when you're on the road. You know, I've been talking about this with a couple of guys. When you're the only guy on the road, it, it, it's hard. I mean, it's just basically, you know, one-on-one session, me and Mark Kotze most days, and me and the starting pitcher. And, um, you know, I think these guys, you know, they, they – I give, like I said, like I give Kotze credit. I give the players credit, man. They, they're good, a bunch of good dudes in there. They're, they're grinding it. It's, this is hard for them to go through a season like this. Nobody likes to lose at this pace, especially. And, um, you know, it's, it's tough some days, but, but they make it, they make it generally easy on me, which I'm, I'm super grateful for. Like I said, especially on the road, because it's tough when you're going through these losing streaks, man. But, but they make my job, you know, a little bit easier with, with their attitudes about it. All right, buddy. Be well. All right. Thanks, Tony. See you soon. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com.
Cody, quickly, I know we're uh, we're, we're running out of time because we got to get to A's total access. I want to give you the last couple uh, seconds here to talk about your hometown, put the camera up on Pittsburgh, and uh, what the experience has been like for you as a professional. Not uh, on me, on Pittsburgh. There uh, you go. This has been, you know, a dream come true to not only call a game, well, not call a game, but to be here to do the show with you and have some of the guys, you know, like Greg Brown I grew up listening to and having Derek Shelton on and then Martine and Vince and, just talking about how great of a city it is, and you know, I don't. I come home. I try to come home at once every once a year if I can, if not every other year. So this has been a dream come true to do this, and I'm thankful to Delaire and the Ace for letting me to come back and, and broadcast for her. This has been a, this has been one of the greatest things that happened to me. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's better than getting married twice, but you know, it's it's up there. <laughs> Was it better than your first marriage? Oh yes, it's, this is uh, this is above that. It's probably right below my second marriage, which is going great. So I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really cool to go back home and, and do a uh, do a game from the stadium that, you know, for you, you, you this has been kind of you're so young. Three Rivers was when you were a young kid. This stadium right here, this is your stadium. Yeah, uh, I went to Three Rivers a few times. It was, or, you know, I bought a lot. I went a lot with my grandfather, and I, I feel like I always saw two teams play, the Montreal Expos and Vlad Guerrero and the Houston Astros with Bagwell and Biggio and Berkman. And I feel like that's who I – it's the only teams I've ever seen play there. And Derek Lee – or not Derek, uh, Carlos Lee and Derek Bell. And then now I get to watch the Pirates play, and they're actually good again. They're good right now. I'm not going to say they're good again, but they're good right now, and it's been nice to see them play well again. All righty. That'll do it for A's Cast Live from Pittsburgh. This is it. Um, and I want to say thank you to everybody. Once again, I'm going on vacation as of Friday. Tomorrow we will not have a show, but you can see me on NBC Sports California doing A's pre- and post-game live. I'll be on in the post-game show uh, after the TV duty, so I will be back tomorrow. And then after that, I'm not back till all the way next Thursday. I know a lot's going to happen. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to miss it, but uh, I, need a, I need a little time with the family and a little vacay as uh, we've worked every game. So um, thank you for everything that you guys do for us. We truly do appreciate it, and hopefully we're delivering a quality product for you every single day. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. Coming up next, A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.